It's the lowdown on Sports 1440. One of those classic country story songs. That's Reba, not the Vicki Lawrence version. The lowdown is brought to you by Wolf GMC Buick. Hurry in for GMC's Joy to the Ride event. No payments for 90 days on every new in-stock 2023 GMC and Buick. There you go. You probably have had, maybe have had, possibly had some issues with your vehicle. Maybe it's time. Wolf GMC Buick. Go see him. All right. The Edmonton Oilers are 26-0 and under head coach Chris Knobloch. They started 2-9-1. and They won the last game that Jay Woodcroft was the coach. And I still wonder how long it'll be before Woodcroft gets another shot. I believe he will. Probably with a young team. Maybe not with the, the, the really high-torque Oilers team that he inherited in February of whatever year that was. 2021? So, you know, it's, so, it's funny how things blur, you know especially when you get older and you have all those years to think of. But he was a very good coach. I think I, th- I think the the loss in the playoffs last year to Vegas um, begat some things that were not going to go well. Whenever you're the two times in the last 10 years, Oilers coaches have tweaked the defense. One was the swarm and then this one was the zone defense and something I don't know. I'm not smart enough to tell you what it is. But something was wrong with the zone because now they seem to have figured it out. So everybody always, they do it. I swear to God, I wish I could clump all of the, the articles together where they say, oh, it, no, it's, it's the zone. No, it's the man to man. It's the execution. Whenever anybody talks about zone or man to man, and it sounds like an expert, just say to them, well, maybe if the players executed it. And maybe if the plan was right, and that's the bottom line. The same defense is playing it now and playing it successfully. It's like the penalty kill. Why didn't the penalty kill work under the previous regime? Hell if I know. If the Edmonton Oilers get goaltending, the current level of quality from their top, say, three lines, by the way, the third line we're going to talk about in a second, and the penalty kill works, and the power play works, they could win the Stanley Cup. This team could win the Stanley Cup. I just say it. I know I picked them, but I'm telling you they could. This turnaround has been biblical, I'll tell you, biblical. I don't know when the genesis of this turnaround occurred, but Leviticus and all of the other chapters are real good so far. We're not at Revelations yet. Things go a little crazy there. But this team really does have a lot of its ducks in order. And I love the defense. Ken Holland gets ripped, and and he has made mistakes. And we've talked about them. People still get mad at the Duncan Keith article I wrote at The Athletic, but it was all true. When you're making a deal like that, you have to have somebody from the analytics department in the room. The next GM will. But that deal he made for Matthias Ekholm, that was a hell of a trade. It really was. And notice that Chikrin is already, you know, rumored to be on the block again. And they could never afford Eric Carlson. I still to this day have buddies of mine who are analytics guys going, they should have traded for Carlson. I'm like, how do you trade for Eric Carlson if you have the Edmonton Oilers? Because you can't take on the salary. It's not humanly possible for them to take on that contract. And the Carlson contract is 10 mil. 
And at that time, it was for like last season and then four after, one of which is burning off this year. But even after this year, there's three more years of $10 million. Now, remember, you're signing Leon this summer, hopefully, and then McDavid next summer, hopefully. And you've got Carlson's $10 mil. Where in God's earth did you ever think they were going to be able to afford him? No, sir. No, sir. Chikrin, rumored to be already on the block after having been traded. Carlson never ever going to come here because if you're asking somebody to take on 10 million times three and a half, that's a first round pick times at least three. It just is probably more than that. You don't have enough assets. Matthias Echo. What's that? What's that old line from the uh, Wilford Brimley commercial? It's the right thing to do. I sounded like Nixon, but I didn't mean to. I am not a crook. Great Nixon impersonation, oh, by I, the way. My, my goodness. Not to get off topic. I'm sitting 17 miles out Uh-oh, of... Uh-oh, I opened the can of worms. You did. Sitting 17 miles out of Maidstone, Saskatchewan at a great big uh, 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 school. We used put turned it into a house. 35-foot ceilings. Oh, yeah. You know, the wood paneling only went up a quarter of the way. It was gorgeous. So anyway, I'm sitting there, and the the uh, Star Phoenix has come to our house. I don't I delivered to our house. Uh, probably that day's. Uh, and my dad is reading it and he starts to laugh and he is laughing so hard. This is during Watergate. And whoever the, the you know, the comic, uh, uh, folks in the, in the editorial page, they always do comics. And it was, <laughs> there was a picture of Nixon and it was called Richard the Lying Hearted. And my dad thought that was the funniest thing he had ever heard of in his life. And I'll never forget his laughter. It was, it was pretty cool. Um, do, let me ask you a question. We've, it's been suggested we do point counterpoint. I don't want to do that because I don't want to call you names and I don't want to call you Jane. What do you mean? Like call me names anymore? <laughs> and, I don't want to call heart? you, I don't want to call you names on the air. Okay. Off the air, you're in real trouble, but. Well, off the air, it's open season. I'll be the first to tell you. So on a scale of one through five, five being the outer, 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 outer limits. One being, yeah, you know. How many moves will Ken Holland make between now and the trade deadline? And by moves, I mean trades. It's not just calling okay. up Raphael. Okay, LeBlanc. yeah, because I was going to say just trades. Just trades. I'm going to say two. Two. I'm okay. going to say two. That's two. And what are they? I think one will be a fourth line center. Okay. And I do still think a backup goalie. Okay. We'll be I, one or the other. I don't disagree with you yeah. there. Now, would Corey Perry signing be additional? Well, that, okay. So if that's the case, I, I am starting to lean with everything I've read and everything I've seen. I'm starting to lean the Corey Perry will sign here. Mm-hmm. That would make three, yeah. but I was thinking just trades. Yeah. No. And then and if you want to do call ups, I do set more. it up like just trades yeah. and then I changed my mind, which I have a right to do because I'm old. Just trades. I'm going to say, I'm going to say two. And I do think Corey Perry will end up as an Edmonton Oiler before the season ends. Corey Perry would be interesting. Um, well, we had a text in earlier. A line with him, Drysaddle, and Evander Kane would be a pretty a scary nasty second line. That yeah, a bunch you of know. nasty guys and guys who can score the puck. And if you need, you know, if if speed is an issue against one team, you could slide Holloway up, or there's other guys on the roster. Uh, it's interesting. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it is interesting. But here's another. Do you think Ryan McLeod's time playing on Drysaddle's line as a winger is over? No. Okay. No, I think that that's another gear. See, we forget 
about the coaching change when we talk about these things. Um, that's a wrinkle Jay Woodcroft never used, but Chris Knobloch has shown a willingness to use. So it's in his arsenal. He's got a bag back there of little things that he can bring out when, when lines get stale. Scotty Bowman was the first guy I ever saw this do this. I remember, I can't remember who it was. It might have been Murray Wilson or Yvonne Lambert. They said, they were quoted in the papers. Your first shift for Scotty Bowman in Montreal had to be dynamite because if you if you lollygagged, he'd replace you and you'd sit all night. You had to move. And I think coaches use tweaks like McLeod sliding up. You know, Kane doesn't like it. I get it. The problem I think Kane is having is he's been so hurt. I don't know if he's at the optimal. I think he might need a little bit of... Um, regular duty and when they're not playing him a lot like on the third line he doesn't he's not into the game as much and he's not skating as much and i think it does wear on him that's just my opinion well my second part of that question was that if you know the signing comes to fruition or even if it doesn't and it stays with with stays with fogel and kane on that second line are you content with ryan mcleod as your third line center do you think that's a position he can flourish in i i do okay i think that you've got to keep this these are the things that i would i instruct um um I would pick up the phone and I would call uh, Chris Knobloch and I would tell him these things and he would hang up right away. But I would still be on the line trying to impress my buddies. But I think you cannot play Evander Kane and Connor Brown together. I think that Connor Brown is a guy who right now, if he does not improve his play, he may not be on the roster come the deadline. I was just going to say, does there, well, I mean, you just answered it. I don't even need to ask the question, but I was going to say, does there come a point where you don't play Connor Brown at all? Whether well, that be a trade or whether that be... You need penalty killers, and he is one. But yeah. if you if you make a trade at the deadline and bring in a penalty killer, especially if it's a center, say a fourth-line center is a penalty killer, then that alleviates because you have Derek Ryan who's going to play. You have Matthias Janmark who's going to play. Uh, you can play Leon. You can play Fogel. Um, there are other guys. You need six. I think you need six uh, to rotate through. Nuge can play. Yep. Um, yeah. So... You don't think there's any like you would you don't think there's any world where he gets waived, do you? Brown? Yeah. Well, he'll get picked up if he That's gets what waived. I'm saying. Yeah. So, I think you Here's what's going to and I I'll say this because I remember it so well at the 06 deadline. Marty Reisner got traded and man, did they regret that because uh, Pouliot got I liked mono. Marty. Yeah. And Pouliot got mono and Reisner was playing really good and they had to call Rem Murray over from Europe to play the fourth line center job. And Reisner would have helped them. And I'm not saying it would have won the Stanley Cup, but it was, and I'm not saying that Kevin Lowe was a misstep. They had to, you have to trade guys and in the cap world, it has to make sense money wise. So it might be Connor Brown and Jack Campbell for two guys. I'm just using that as an example. Connor Brown doesn't, has not played well enough to guarantee his status on this roster. I don't think. Quick piece of trivia. Do you have any idea of the roster today who's going to play tonight against the Toronto Maple Leafs? Do you have any idea who has the worst plus minus on the team and what it is? The Oilers? Yes. Well, Browns is bad and Canes is bad. Um, but those, are, those are the bottom two. Okay. So I will guess because Canes played more, I'll still say it's Connor Brown. It is Connor Brown. He's yeah. dash 10. Yeah. yeah. Evander Kane minus eight. Do you know what's a really fun thing to do? Go on to Natural Statric, go to Line Tool, go to 5-on-5 Edmonton Oilers, and punch in Evander Kane and Connor Brown. They're 2-11 and with each other, and they're both at 50% without each other. Uh, Brown is 3-3, and and Kane, I think, is 16-17, and so he's one below 500. But 
they're playing well except with each other. Without like when they're with each other, it's not working. Part of that was McDavid early was struggling, was not one hundred percent, and part of it is that they're just not clicking at all. So leave them apart from each other. You should be fine. I'm going with, this is from Gordoyle, I'm going with Blackwood for a first in Lavoie, Campbell with one million retained, and some other pixie dust to complete it from Gordoyle. Pixie dust means first round picks, kids. It would have, like, if you're San Jose, do you take that? I don't know. I don't know either. All I know is that Mike Greer, um, I th- I believe the Oilers really pushed for Carlson last year. Greer would not take on money. And the owner there is, I'm not saying he's frugal, I think he's smart, that don't take on these dead contracts. Oh, well, this is interesting. I'm going to make sure that it's verified. Vegas Golden Knights. Jack Eichel had successful lower body surgery, will be out week to week. So what this means is, if you are on Twitter, your timeline is going to be full of this. Well, week to week means LTIR and he'll be off just in time for the playoffs again. That will be 600 times tweeted out in the next 11 minutes. You can predict Twitter, and that's not good for Twitter. When it's that predictable, it becomes uninteresting. Look at that Brennan Clack. He's already all over that. Um, I will say this. I think the Edmonton Oilers are in a little bit of danger tonight for their winning streak. Toronto's a good team. They're hurting. They, the, I'm sure the coach has been yelling at them. Because they have not won a game in a while. And it's not like they're like home and dry here. Nobody is really. It's a weird year in the NHL. Boston was for a while. Now they're not anymore. And if you're, if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs, you're, you know, you're at 50 points. You're at third in your division. Boston and Florida are long gone. Maybe they'll catch up, but it's a long way. And then you're in third. And then Detroit has one point behind, played a couple more games. Tampa Bay is one point behind. They played three more games. So there's five teams looking for three or four spots. And the wild card in, in the uh, Eastern Conference is wild because, you know, Pittsburgh from the other division is also there, as are the Islanders, as is New Jersey. You've got to keep on winning. It's like that song, Tumbling Dice. Keep on rolling. You do such a good job of getting the first hour out, and then you can lollygag for the second hour on Twitter. Well, there, there's a bit of a reason why. Lollygag! I, you know, I'll just take it on the chin, and I'll no, say I'm I know a what it is. You, you but, get busy with the other show. Well, yes, and this is the computer that uh, you know has to chop it up. One of the two monitors to my right here. Yeah. So Connor needs to do it because I'm obviously at the other computer back there. Yeah. You know, there's a few things that go now, into it, but we do our best. You play solitaire on that computer back there, right? Like you, I know you're paid for it, but you actually play solitaire back there. Uh, like, like when we're prepping for our show, sometimes I'll play solitaire. No, no, I mean during the Jason Greger show, I see you over there playing solitaire. I not really. I'm just teasing you. I was gonna say, like, (laughs) usually I'm working. You know, Mrs. Andrews would say, "Lighten up." (laughs) Um, She probably would. You're probably right. All right, Daniel Nugent Bowman got a great article. He's been writing great stuff at the Athletic about the Oilers winning, winning, winning after all they could do is lose. What a weird year. We'll talk to him about the crazy year for the Edmonton Oilers next. Low down with low tide on Sports 1440. It's the low down on Sports 1440. Twang Tuesday. Lowdown is driven by Wolf GMC Buick. Thanks for tuning in. We appreciate it. 
We also appreciate the presence of uh, the presence of Daniel Nugent Bowman from the Athletic every Tuesday at one twenty. He joins us and talks a little bit about the Edmonton Oilers. We have gone. It's a tale of two seasons. The beginning was. I don't know how long this is going to last. And then now we're talking win, win, and more wins. Daniel, how are you? And do you have whiplash from all the changes that have happened for this team this year? Oh, man, I, I thought you really were throwing a tiny dig at me at, by mentioning the time after my uh, snap oh. last week, so I apologize. No. <laughs> it's one twenty. I'm here. I am here. <laughs> uh, yes, I do have whiplash, too. Uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, you know what? I, I, we we talked about this a couple times, and it's it's so funny. Uh, this is the sixth season I've covered this team, and it, it's the, the start of the year had me kind of harkening back to my first year when they fired Todd McClellan, and then a couple months later fired Peter Shirelli. Of course, that those especially the latter name and the latter scenario kind of uh, are like nails on a chalkboard to Oilers fans, and because that that's not what this team was supposed to be, right? And uh, now, like the team is, uh, you know, is whipping down the hen day with no traffic here, and it's it's uh, it's a kind of a wonderful experience uh, versus how things were going the other way early on. Um, it, it, the team couldn't be going in, in a complete, you know, in a more opposite direction, and uh, the way that they should have been going all year, quite frankly, um, with the expectations on this team, with the way that they had been growing the last couple of seasons. And um, it, it took, I guess, you know, a few lousy games as part of a, a overall 12, uh, a bad record over 12 games um, to kind of um, uh, get things going in the right direction. And it's funny, Glenn Gullitson did the, did the uh, press conference yesterday uh, giving um, uh, Chris Knobloch, uh, you know, a break. And, and uh, he was saying that I, I think that there were some um, lingering effects still from last season early on. Um, in terms of thinking too much about last season, about um, last season t- still kind of uh, uh, kind of playing in their minds a little bit how things ended, and uh, I think they've turned the page now and, and have, have moved on to what uh, how they want to play and, and how they want to uh, uh, you know win games this season. It's uh, in your article that you wrote about the the uh, franchise record tenth straight win. It's it's the quotes are are basically acknowledging. Uh, the year, but also very positive and for good reason. And when I watch them, they just the defensively the structure looks good. The outlets seem to be better. Um, have you noticed like what changed with the coaching staff that allows? Is it just attitude, or did they do specific things to to move the puck out that have worked under the new regime? Well, in terms of specifics, I mean, we we talked a bit about Paul Coffey being such a um, you know positive influence on, on this defense. Uh, you know, I wrote a lot about um, a bigger piece rather uh, before the holiday break about Evan Bouchard and just how he's really turned the corner. I mean, the offensive side of the game is always there, um, but that risk reward factor uh, in terms of taking risk out of his game um, for you know what could be a small reward. Um, you know, has been pretty drastic, and, and it's been apparent rather um, in, in Bouchard's game under Paul Coffey. And um, obviously, Bouchard's the guy that can move the puck. He's tremendous at it, one of the best puck movers in the league. But he's really instilled that confidence, and I think a lot of the players going right down to you know the number six defenseman Vincent Deharnay, who, who's um, you know you know the, the, the best aspect of his game. I wouldn't say is puck movement, right? So. Um, 
um, when it comes to uh, that side of things, for sure, uh, they've also obviously put uh, a greater emphasis on um, defending on off the rush. I think they're, uh, you know, the, the data out there is that they are, you know, they're, they're defending uh, has gone to one of the better teams in the league from from one of the worst uh, early on in the season under Jay Woodcroft and Dave Manson. So those are a couple of things. Obviously, the penalty kill, um, I believe it's third in the league uh, since Knobloch and Paul Coffey and, and Mark Stewart now running the penalty kill, uh, you know, taking control of that. Uh, it was right at the bottom or a couple of spots from the bottom um, under under. Um, Manson and Woodcroft. So those are the, I mean, the areas you can really point to. I, I mean, when a team does well, it, it kind of bleeds throughout the lineup. And I think there's a lot of guys that are, you know, their shoulders are, you know, a little higher, and, and there's a lot more confidence in this group, and they're rightly so than there was early in the season. And it's it's really started to um, um, kind of show itself in the last little while here. Yeah, I, I, I've always felt that you know we spent a lot of time in the minutia about about outlets and specific and and zone and 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 man to man. In a lot of ways, I think it's just I think it's confidence and and executing the play. And I do think Matthias Ekholm helps Evan Bouchard. Evan Bouchard helps Matthias Ekholm too. But that 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 trade for me. Uh, if they win the Stanley Cup, that's going to be a big part of Ken Holland's legacy, making that trade for Matthias Ekholm. Do you agree? Oh, my goodness, yeah. I mean, I think the Zach Hyman signing uh, has worked out better. It's, it's, it's Holland's best move. But getting Matthias Ekholm is not far away from that. I mean, he's been a godsend for this team. And, um, yeah, I, I think the pairing of Bouchard and Ekholm is, is the perfect pairing. I mean, uh, and Ekholm's no slouch offensively too. Like he can move; he's on your second power play. He can move, move the puck. He likes to join the rush, uh, but he is a pretty steadying factor. And I, I mean, I talked to Ekholm really early in the season, um, and he feels as a one-on-one defender, he, like he's very confident in his abilities. He feels like he's one of the better one-on-one defenders in the league. And to to kind of pair that up with Evan Bouchard, who's um, uh, you know, a tremendous puck mover, a, uh, a you know, a great young player uh, with the offensive capabilities that have been apparent since he was, you know, early in his teenage years, if you, you talk to people around him then. Uh, they're the perfect pair, and I, I have a lot of time for Darnell Nurse. I think he's done very well. Uh, if they could find another guy, I, I mean, I, I really i am starting to like this defense, and um, yeah, I, I've been pretty critical of, of Ken Holland, I think maybe one of the more critical people of him, um, you know, in the last couple of years anyway. And, you know, there's some misses for sure. You look at the Jack Campbell signing is a huge albatross around this team. Um, I, everyone knows my feelings about the, the Duncan Keith acquisition and the, and the, and the, you know, the cost of it. Um, you know, there's, he's going to have some misses, but those two moves, uh, Hyman, uh, is the one I referenced and, um, and Eckholm, the one you referenced, uh, uh, I, those are by far his best moves, and, and moves that have um, really uh, paid dividends for this for this team. Um, those are two of your best. I don't know, five, six, seven players, and to get those guys, uh, Hyman's that way outperformed his contract, and really, you know, they gave up a first. Um, they gave up a, a prospect who was a first. 
in uh, Reed Schaefer. Uh, Tyson Berry was the cost of doing business. They gave up stuff to get Matthias Ekholm. It was a, yeah. it was a high cost. Uh, but but um, you know, with the, the term on that deal and, and his age being younger than Duncan Keith, I, I think that the acquisition cost was more than fine. And Ekholm's been a, a, a tremendous player for this team. Do you? Um, I have seen a couple of times uh, T-shirts that say, "What do you want? What What do you want me to get them for free?" Have you seen that? I wish. Can you get one for me? <laughs> <laughs> All right, for I, Christmas. I, I, for that, <laughs> uh, I haven't seen that. Oh yeah, I saw. Do I, I, get, just, do I get? Do I get any residuals from that? <laughs> well, that you know, you should get royalties. I mean, you know, um, trade deadline. I wonder, I was looking at the Leafs, and they have uh, the first round pick this year, but then they have nothing in the next two rounds. The second round's gone. All of next year's first and second round are gone. The Oilers have first and second this year. Um, They don't have a lot else. Do you think if they're going to trade that first round pick, they have to get something back that has a player back that has term because a a rental for the first round pick leaves them a little bit barren here in terms of, of assets that they have moving forward? I mean, ideally, they, I see what you're saying. Al, uh, the, the only problem, as I see it, is, is the you know the cap and how 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 tight they are, how how challenged they are. Um, the the thing that that kind of happened with the Ekholm trade was they got rid of a guy in Tyson Berry who made a lot of money, not as much as Ekholm, but also had term on his deal too. So they were taking that that money off next year's cap. Um, I always come back to these three names, uh, not advocating for trading necessarily any one of them, but um, guys that have some money that have uh, and um, have our uh, ways to to open up cap room, and that'll be Warren Fogle, who is up this year for 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 the record. Like he doesn't have any more term on his deal, but Cody CC is another, and um, uh, the other one is is Brett Kulak. You could throw a fourth in there, and that's Jack Campbell. But we've talked about this, and I know you've written about it. I, I'm sure I have. <laughs> it's kind of melt. My brain's kind of a mush. I'm sure I've mentioned it anyway. But the the cost to get rid of Jack Campbell would, would be astronomical. Um, so that kind of plays into it too. But it, it kind of depends who that player is. And uh, if you're going to get rid of a first, yeah, you want to have a guy with with term, ideally like Matthias Ekholm. Um, but if that player makes too much. Um, especially as we all know, Connor Brown's contract um, eating up a lot of those cap. Um, uh, you know, the, the with the cap going up, it, it basically it's going to eat up a, a vast majority of, of what the Oilers would have for the, for that that increase. That's tough. Um, it kind of depends. There's a lot of moving parts. Can they move Jack Campbell? Um, um, you know, things of, of that nature. But yeah, to, to the short answer is, uh, and I've been long-winded on this. Uh, ideally, you'd want to get a guy with term, but it might not be able to to be there for the Oilers, given um, kind of the cap ramifications yeah. uh, for the hockey club. Yeah, I think that's fair. Daniel Nugent Bowman, our guest from the Athletic on Sports fourteen forty in the Lowdown with Low Tide. Uh, Ryan McLeod lined up yesterday uh, on the wing on the third line with Ryan and Yanmark, I believe. And then Kane with Leon Dreisaitl. Do you think that's uh, uh, temporary, or do you see Kane staying up and maybe McLeod playing the wing on the third line? Yeah, you know what? I don't think it was asked. I, I uh, yeah, it wasn't asked uh, this morning of of Chris Malbach. That was probably uh, you know an error on everyone's fault or part rather that we didn't. Uh, there's an optional skate today. McLeod skated. Evander Kane did not, I believe. So we don't know the exact answer. I would imagine given that they won in Montreal and, and you know, there wasn't 
a lot of offense from the Oilers in that game, um, at least in, in terms of goals, um, that Evander King will probably stay there. Um, I think he's a guy, I, I know, you know, seeing on, on Twitter or social media anyway, that fans are kind of getting on, on Evander Kane a little bit, and, and rightly so. I mean, he's, he's gone a while now with, with not doing a whole lot. Um, it's, it's the classic, you know, cart before the horse, uh, chicken, egg, like that, that type of thing where, you know, do you need to put Evander Kane up to get him going, or does he have to show you something before you put him up? And obviously he had that chance in Montreal, uh, because of Ryan McLeod being ill, I think you probably are best suited to leave him there for 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 now to see if he can get going. Uh, let McLeod come back from his illness and uh, and uh, on a a line with um, you know uh, you know some not as much ice time or whatever uh, and, and see how you want to go from there. I mean, logically, for this team down the stretch and into the playoffs, Evander Kane's going to be in your top six, creating havoc. Uh, being a royal pain in the you know what, and uh, and probably scoring goals like he did the playoffs before last. Uh, and Ryan McLeod, you know, you ask him, you ask people around the team, like he's best suited to be a center. And obviously, that's not going to come in the top six. So I think eventually you, you kind of go back to the status quo, uh, you know, before mid December. Um, but this team is winning and has or has been winning rather, and uh, doing so with Ryan McLeod and Warren Fogle in top six, and uh, you. Chris Nalbach's a coach that's been low to, to break up a winning lineup, but uh, he had to do it on Saturday, so that gives him a uh, reason to kind of stick with it, I believe. Final question for you. Whenever the Maple Leafs are in town, uh, it, it feels like, I know it's not a home game, but you see a lot more Maple Leafs jerseys. You hear the crowd noise, and it's pretty loud for Toronto. And I know people who sell their, their they have season tickets, and they sell their Maple Leafs tickets for, for a massive, like, you know, upsell. So I get it, and I understand it. But do you notice it, like, when you're watching the game, do you notice how many Maple Leafs jerseys and fans there are compared to, you know, say, Columbus? All you can do is go to warm-up, and it's it's really apparent, yeah. Um, that in Montreal. Montreal is another, you know, two teams to come once a year. And to your point, Al, uh, people know that, that they can sell those tickets for, for a lot of money. Um, still a lot of, like, older people that are um, – um, that are that are fans of these, uh, you know, classic original six type teams. You know, there are lots of Bruins fans and and Chicago and, and and other fans around here. But you know, being in Canada, Toronto, and Montreal really stand out when they come to town. Um, it's a good thing. I mean, it, it's it's it makes you, you get alternating chance between, you know, go Leafs and let's go Oilers and all that. And um, but yeah, you notice it more, or I have noticed it more. Um, with Leafs and Canadians fans than even um, Calgary Flames fans. Yeah. Uh, that surprised me, uh, you know, being re- relatively new here or newer here. Um, but, I mean, obviously I, I'm not talking about the playoff series where that was a completely different animal, but uh, during the regular season, um, you know, it's, uh, there, there's, I think it's, it's the um, scenario where the, the Leafs and Canadians only come here once a year and, and people that are fans of those teams have that date marked on their calendar from from June onward when the schedule comes out and and really try to make a a point to get to that game. It sounds like you're blaming old people for this, Daniel. I mean, that's what I heard. I'm not. I uh, I am not. I have I have elderly. Oh gosh, I shouldn't even say that. But my parents are uh, a little bit older as well, and uh, you know they still talk about getting getting those Jello uh, hockey cards and, and collecting stuff like that. Uh, uh, 
You can be whatever fan you want to be at whatever age you want to be. I have no, it doesn't bother me at all. Don't put words in my mouth. Well, that was, you you were covered beautifully, sir. (laughs) I'm waiting for that t-shirt. You got to at least send me a picture of this. I will. Well, I I, I saw one, I don't know, maybe like a couple of months ago in the mall, but I'll, I'll, I might just buy you one for Christmas. I mean, you know, it's, you know, my budget doesn't. Wait till Christmas? (laughs) Yeah, well. Oh, budgets budgets are tight. Uh, thanks, man. Appreciate it. You're very welcome. Talk to you soon. Okay, there you go. Daniel Nugent Bowman from The Athletic. Uh, that was, you know, that's an all-timer, you know. That's, um, I'll, I'll never forget that moment where it was, it was tense already, and then that just ratcheted up to like 180 degrees. It's like the first few days that Declan was the producer here. And and he kept saying, "Where's the turntable? I want to get my beat mix going." And I'm like, "Declan, we don't we don't play music. It's a it's a sports talk show." But he really picked it up quickly, and he's really done a lot since then, and we appreciate it very much. Did you have any response to that? For <laughs> no, it's exactly what happened. <laughs> you, you you recapped it just uh, yeah. just the way I remembered. You know, I got a great memory for this stuff. Lowdown is driven by Wolf GMC. Vehicle, we'll take a break. Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's the Lowdown. On Sports 1440, driven by Wolf GMC Buick, got a Doug, married today. See, this is where you could have a segment, maybe a cooking segment. You know, uh, low tide on a day like today, I like to make soup. What I do is I I uh, put a bunch of tomatoes in a pot and uh, maybe sprinkle a little cheese on that and cut up some... Uh, Celery and uh, various other, uh, you know, things that I've got around the house. Throw it all in there and uh, maybe some chicken broth and I put a lid on it and I come back in two hours. I'm very happy you're throwing segments my way. Mm. I would just, I would maybe ask if they can be sports related because I'm not the best chef in the world. Chef, I should say. (sighs) You know, like some basketball, football, something else. I don't know if I could, I don't know if I could anchor a cooking segment. But... Like, you know you can read up on it. Yeah, but I mean, it would just be so disingenuous. You know what I mean? I'd be, like, faking it. What if you, what if you did a, um, what if you did an affectation like you were the Swedish chef on the Muppets? I could probably do that. You know, you could do that. Yeah, like, I could probably fumble my way through that. I, you know, again, I just don't know if that's going to come across as good radio. That just seems, that just seems like we're, you know, killing time. We don't want that. Well, it seems like you are... <laughs> Like, just not going to do that. No, I, I, I'm going to go ahead and say there is a strong chance I will not be doing a cooking segment on this show, even by your request. <laughs> so I apologize. Well, it seems like you're, you're um, to me anyway, it seems to me like you're, 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 you're refusing to. Like, this is a, uh, an act of uh, aggression. Defiance? You know, I mean. I would say it is probably fair to say I am refusing to do it. Wow. But that's like, I mean, that's like, what if I just one day right out of break said, Al, I want you to do a segment on, you know, women's headscarves. You'd be a little taken back, right? You wouldn't know what to say. I could tell you stories about a scarf. I, one time I went to Eaton's. Oh. I went oh, to Eaton's to how buy do you, my... How do you possibly have a story uh, for this? I, I went to Eaton's to buy uh, my my wife a scarf for her birthday. She had said she wanted a scarf, and I didn't know where to go to get a scarf. And I went to Eaton's uh, with the downtown one. I don't know what year it was. And um, this is why this is why Eaton's was great, and probably why Eaton's is no longer in existence, because the 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 
woman who helped me spent, I'm going to say, 45 minutes educating me about scarves, educating me about what kind of scarf I probably should know about before I purchased the scarf. And we settled on something kind of in between, and it was perfect. But she spent, I'm telling you, she spent 45 minutes with me, and she was overqualified to talk to, to you know, basically a, a, you know, country boy like me who didn't know a thing about anything. But she was fantastic. And do you know that when Eaton's went out of business, you could take back lamps from the 50s, and they would say, yeah, okay, we'll give you cash back for that. It was insane how they did it. Eaton said, said thank you to every Canadian when they, when they finally shut it down. Amazing stuff. Now, my favorite store that you've never gone to is called Consumers Distributing. One day, we'll talk about that. Okay, I look forward to it. That'll be next Tuesday at 140, I'm sure. <laughs> All right. LT, I've been a season ticket holder for 25 years. I've always sold or given away my tickets to the Leafs game. Yes, you do get more than the normal you sell them, but it's really that the Leafs fans are so over the top for that one game a year, it spoils the game experience. I'd rather avoid it. That's a great point. And also, you know, if you've got friends who are Leafs fans, I, I will tell you that I never got a chance to take my grandma to a Leafs game, and I would have in a heartbeat. She loved the Toronto Maple Leafs, loved them. Uh, she, she loved, she loved every goalie you ever played, even although Gary Smith made it difficult. She loved uh, Johnny Bauer and Mike Palmatier. And I think Alan Bester, but I might be lying, uh, because I'd moved away by then. Willie Nelson makes you feel great. I do baked beans like the, on days like this. Did a ham on the weekend, use some of the fat and then make really thick molasses, rich baked beans that warms the soul. There you go. You ever have beans on toast? Had them frequently as a kid. Yeah, yeah, really we had, we did have baked beans. It's on toast inexpensive a lot. for kids, and they like it. I I do re- like now. I think it's something I wouldn't ever have, but I do remember liking it a lot as a kid. But it is a meal for eight year olds and no. the British, and that's the list. Yeah. Now, if you're an eight year old British kid, boy, are you in heaven? Wow. You, yeah. you, that's so the, the Venn diagram we're all looking the, for. The, the British. I mean, the, they. The great thing about British food is it underpromises and underdelivers. Well, there's no great thing about British food. No. Because you, the first thing the British do. I mean, they they were world powers at one time. They could have brought pasta. They could have brought all of this. But the first thing they do is they stuff everything into the innards of a sheep. <laughs> that's the first thing. Let's start there. It's a, it's amazing. Like all the cuisine of you, the French, the Italian, the British. If you've got a French restaurant, an Italian restaurant, and a British restaurant lined up, where are you going? I will be going to the French restaurant. Also, I think a British restaurant is a bit of an oxymoron. Pretty sure they just have pubs. And I, I refuse to believe fish and that. chips in. By the way, newspaper. Yes, always healthy. I refuse to believe outside of a cottage pie and fish and chips, there's actually such a thing as British cuisine. Oh, I think there is. I think that you know, it's it's all you know. First, we take the salt and put it away. We don't want that. <laughs> then the pepper goes, you know. We just have a shoe. Yeah. yeah that's probably about fair. Al, if I may, I know you don't do predictions, but three keys to the game for the Oilers tonight. Oh, well, stay out of the penalty box. Uh, I would suggest that the top two lines are going to have to really do a number on the Leafs' top two lines. I th- hope they go head-to-head Matthews versus McDavid because – that's happened before, but not not with Ekholm and Bouchard playing as well as they are. I think Ekholm and Bouchard are going to be a key to this game, and then Stuart Skinner, I believe, will will have a better night than than um, Jones. And I I I think this is going to be close, and I think it's going to be close late. And before the month started, 
I did predict that Toronto would win tonight, so I will stand by that. It's okay. going to be a tough out. So we did get a prediction out. What do you think about the uh, the Maple Leafs lineups tonight? I don't know if you had a chance to look over I, them. I, but. They're trying to do what every team okay. does, which is they, they've got two guys who are, are um, outstanding players, and then they're trying to load them up with a guy who is a little less expensive and you're you're trying to it's like trying to make soup go longer you're you know you've got the soup you've got you've already put in the the potatoes and it's kind of a stewy thing now and you're like man well, i got to feed six people i'm going to throw in some noodles you know you're trying to make it go farther that's the leafs the oilers top line isn't like that but the second line kind of is i think you're going to play the hell out of the top two lines tonight leafs fans are belligerent definitely cheap in the oilers game experience Steaming gobs of haggis. Where this is my fault. This is my fault. This is my fault. I shouldn't have gone there, and I did. My fault. I thought we could do it. I still enjoy chopping up hot dogs and putting them on my baked beans from the. Ra- you used to be able to get beans with pork as a kid. I don't know if you can still do that or not. A long time ago, I made my world famous ham and potato soup last week. Mmm. Soup, I bet, was popular. We're doing uh, grilled cheese sandwiches and tomato soup tonight. It is one of the things the kids love, and it's really easy to do. Eaton's. Just, Tiger just sends that in. I mean, I think that's when you really got to call out the textures. When they're just throwing one word out, you know, you got to you got to maybe explore the thought a little more. Give us something to hold on to. You don't think that's maybe in re- it's like a disbelief kind of text? It's like Eaton's, really? Well, that's- why would there be a question saying Eaton's and then really at the end? I guess there there wouldn't be. But I'm just I'm exploring all options. I'm trying to give everyone the benefit you know, of the doubt. I'm mad. I thought I saw a thing and I lost it. There was somebody who was talking about the Eagles being pathetic on Sunday and I've lost it. I hate that. Al, just to switch things up very, very quickly. Yep. We haven't talked about this at all, but the Philadelphia 76ers in action tonight. I know when it comes to the NBA, that is your team of choice. Yes, yes, Playing yes. the champion, the, the reigning champion, Denver Nuggets. How do we feel about that one? Well, I, the, the 76ers are, are, are exactly what I thought they were when Harden was. They, they're not consistent, and Embiid is, is always important, but really important this year. So I would suggest to you that I'll let you know at halftime. Okay, that's a good Because indicator. they really are... They're 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 Doctor Jekyll and and Mister Hyde. Know, yeah, yeah. Well, like you know, again, and I'll you know try and keep this brief. It looks like Joel Embiid could well on his way, could be well on his way to a second straight MVP. Oh yeah, but they, mean, they might go nowhere again. That's what I was going to ask. I was going to ask if you worry that his game style, that is so intent on getting fouls and getting to the foul line and shooting what feels like twenty free throws a game, is that going to fizzle out in the playoffs again? And it's just going to be another year of disappointment. Yeah. Well, okay. I, I'm I'm leaning towards another year of disappointment. I mean, I I do remember when the 76ers won it all, and they have always entertained me. Uh, always, uh, Doctor J, Charles Barkley, Iverson. You know, this kid is Embiid is fantastic, but they've only won that I'm aware of one championship. That was a great team. Oh, my God, it was a great team. But it was a team. It was more of a team than they have now. 
It was Troy Aikman bad talking the Eagles during the broadcast, Parkland Matt. Well, I mean, the Eagles didn't really do anything to, you know, you, you can smack talk a team and they can smack back and the, the Eagles didn't do that. There are no fans that looked more pathetic than the Eagles fans on Sunday. Jalen Hurts used to be the most popular guy in Philadelphia from Craig. Well, they're not, they, they're old on the lines. And that's like, it's Kelsey is a Hall of Famer. Lane Johnson is a great player. Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, they're great players, but they're too long at the fair. They get old. You know, you should have heard me when I was 25 and working top 40. I was fantastic, but I'm old now. You know, I mean, I don't hit the post. Dung Declan over there, whenever he does an intro, to the song, it always, as soon as the the intro fades, bang, there's the vocal. I worked hard on that in the 1980s. But it's all gone now. It's all out in the ether. I mean, I have the cassette tapes I could play for you, but that would be a little sad. Are we going to have some closer competitive NFL games this weekend? Oh, yeah. I think I think we knew going into this weekend there were some teams that were pretty weak, and we saw that, certainly yesterday. Uh, how do you feel, feel about your Bills? Can they can they make it to the Super Bowl? I think I think they can make it to the Super Bowl. They're not my pick out of the AFC to do so, but I do like them to play in the conference championship game. I think they beat Kansas City. I've just been so high on Baltimore for such a while now. I you know of course I'm going to be cheering for the Buffalo Bills, but I think Baltimore really is quote unquote the team of destiny this year in the NFL and especially in the AFC. So I still like Baltimore to do it, get to the Super Bowl. But the Bills, they're right in that conversation. They're my they'd be my second pick out of the AFC. Ra- Ravens, 49ers. Yeah, Ravens 49ers is the most likely scenario. I would love to see Detroit in the Super Bowl, but I think, I think frankly, they're just not, not, not good enough to get there. I, I would be a great story. I would love for them to do it, but I think more than likely you're going to see San Francisco, Baltimore. Okay. Uh, Roddy's and Kitty's mama says low tide. Just listening to your comments on British food to clarify inner stuffed in sheep stomach is Scottish, referred to as haggis. Uh, as a Brit, we do have some very good food. You've obviously never had a beautifully done roast beef or roast crown pork with Yorkshire pudding. Well, I've had the beef and it's very good. I'm not a big Yorkshire pudding fan and I have not had the pork. That said, I apologize to your nation. I just wish the food was better. All right, Jason Greger on the way. Thanks so much for tuning into The Lowdown. Please enjoy your day. It's time for an update.